the Ambitious Radio Network. Conversations with ambitious entrepreneurs and thought leaders. Are you an entrepreneur, startup junkie, or just someone interested in improving their leadership skills? If you're looking to be motivated, inspired, and uncover what it takes to get to the next level, listening to Ambitious Radio will be well worth the investment of your time. We have weekly engaging conversations with today's most influential thought leaders and entrepreneurs as they discuss their successes, failures, tipping points, and other priceless information that you can apply immediately after listening. And welcome to the show. Good to have you right here. It is Ambitious Radio, hosted by our friend Doug Parker, talking about entrepreneurship and leadership while interviewing interesting people and what makes them ambitious. Now, you know the show wouldn't be possible without our sponsors, grasshopper.com, the entrepreneur's phone system. You know, most of the time, small business owners need to personally guarantee any loans that their companies take out. That can be kind of tough to do if you have credit issues. So if you have less than perfect credit, go to repairmycreditnow.com for a free credit report evaluation. Repairmycreditnow.com. Doug, what do we have going on today? Today, we are talking to Monica Eaton-Cardone. Monica is an entrepreneur and business leader with expertise in technology, e-commerce, risk, relativity, and payment processing solutions. She has co-founded a number of successful companies, which globally comprise 350-plus employees. And with the advent of friendly fraud expanding from the U.S. and other countries, Monica recognized the necessity to protect the global economy from illicit chargeback threats, hence Global Risk Technologies, or GRT, was established. So she is currently serving as their CIO, and you might have heard this company's name before, Chargebacks 911. That is one of the companies that's here in the U.S., and they've got many other subsidiaries, but they really do help folks um, you know, with chargebacks and making sure that everything is, is done right. So welcome to the show, ma'am. How are you? I am outstanding. Thank you for having me. Well, I am so excited about uh, you know hearing. We don't have nearly enough uh, women on this show, and we're always looking for great guests. And so I'm appreciative of you coming on. I know we're going to talk a little bit here in a few minutes about kind of the gender gap in IT and some of the things that, that you're doing uh, there as well. But um, tell me a little bit about yourself, maybe what we missed in the intro there. Uh, so I, I founded uh, Chargeback 911 um, several years ago. And it's a funny story. It is one of those classic stories of you have one type of business, and I was an online merchant, and I developed this solution to solve my own problems. Little did I know that there were thousands of merchants out there that were suffering from the same issues, and they needed a solution as well. Uh, So quickly I discovered, uh, in fact, as soon as I had discovered from getting contacted by the banks and processors that I worked with, uh, that, hey, you know, this is a unique solution. Can you please offer it to our merchants and our clients? Um, I put together this company, and the name Chargeback 911 was actually a little bit of a joke originally because I thought, as a merchant, what I wanted is to dial 911 and be rescued from chargeback hell. <laughs> And uh, so I put together this website and thought, you know, this is just going to be like a little consulting deal on the side. I'm going to focus on my online merchant business. And it was just, I got overwhelming responses uh, probably a month after the site was up, got contacted by the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, and the rest is history. Needless to say, totally uh, focused on on that direction now. And uh, now I'm very passionate, needless to say, about 
um, all sorts of payment industry and, and really financial technology. You know, that's a great thing about uh, about America and just being entrepreneurial. You can have just uh, some kind of an issue. You can apply a little bit of uh, ingenuity to it, come up with something that fixes your problem, and, uh, you know, if it helps other people, you can make really make it happen. So that is a great, great story. Now, l- let's just talk about you maybe a little bit personally. Where are you from? Where did you grow up? And, and how did you become this uh, successful entrepreneurial woman just going out there and making it happen? Sure. Uh, So I originally grew up in Idaho and in a very, very extremely small community. In fact, my my hometown, I believe the population, you were just going to laugh when you hear this, the population was like 22 for the entire town. (laughs) It was, I think it's probably the smallest town in the whole country. (laughs) Um, But, you know, what I did learn at a very young age is the importance of work ethic. Um, so growing up in a farming community, then you don't have an opportunity to not learn how to work. Um, everything takes extra effort. And uh, I've, I've started sports early in life as well. Um, I think that became a, a really, it, it taught me a lot of life lessons. You know, you have to work with the team. Um, it, I mean, leadership strategies, how to persevere when things get tough, um, all sorts of valuable lessons I learned through, um, through playing a lot of sports uh, through my school years. And, and early on, I also, uh, my family moved around frequently. So I had an opportunity to go to a lot of different schools. Um, and one of the downfalls, at least when I was a kid, I thought this was absolutely the worst thing ever, but we would move to a school, and then, of course, all of the all of the cool elective classes were taken. So I never had an opportunity to take things like sewing and home ec and fashion design. Uh, instead, when I would get to a school, the classes that were left over were like mechanics, words, or workshop, um, or wood shopping, um, and computer programming. Well, interestingly. I actually discovered that I really had an aptitude for technology, and I, in fact, I love math. So, um, and I think that is one thing that really spurred um, an interest. I really enjoy art and architecture. I studied this when I graduated high school and went to the University of Utah, or I'm sorry, the University of Idaho first, and uh, studied art and architecture. And, but I had these, this root, you know, that I had had experience with at a very young age and really had an interest with computers, computer science, and programming. So what I do today is actually very similar to what my background was, which is really developing technology and creating, um, creating a service for others that is a combination. I think any type of programmer looks at what they really do is they're creating something that is aesthetic. Um, they're putting together all the pieces. And in a way, it is a type of art. You know, that's that's a very, very interesting kind of a... Now, you're talking about a rural area. I mean, 22 people population. I don't even know if I've ever seen a sign that said that small of a population. But then to come around and, and have this global company that now you are, are running. Now, let's talk about just for a moment, you know, being a, a lady, being a female in technology. Because I've noticed, you know, in some of the show prep that, that that's kind of brought up a couple times in your 
uh, a champion for, for women in IT and, and looking to expand the leadership roles and things like that. Um, so, so why do you think there is such a, such a gap there? Um, you know, I would, I, I think that there's a gap, uh, you know, if you look at, if you look at other countries, then you can identify, uh, for instance, in China, in China, for, if we just look at STEM careers and isolate STEM, uh, careers, then we find it's almost 50-50 between women and men. Um, in the U.S., that it's not like we have the different gene pool and there's entirely different women here. Um, at the end of the day, we all have the same type of makeup and we have the same type of driving uh, forces. So I think women, uh, by and large, most of us, in fact, statistics and studies have proven um, that women are tend to be a little bit more interested in in creating something for others, in being more in a in a service capacity, and we get more enjoyment of from that from those types of vehicles faster than men. Um, but I think there's less women that look at technology as a a roadmap uh, or I guess a path to get to that goal um, in the U.S. and also in Europe because frankly we don't have any exposure to it. So if you look at China and uh, Asia, for that matter, every young girl starting at about age eight is taking computer science classes. They're learning how to program. They're taking robotics classes. Uh, they're doing all sorts of things that help them take the theory that they're learning in math and you know all these linguistics and building components, and they're actually seeing how cool it is to put that to work and create applications that are tangible. And you know, now we look at in the US. So in the US and in Europe, well guess what? We let our kids pick and, or parents select exactly what they're going to be exposed to. And every parent knows, and I mean my I have two daughters for example, it, if I don't give them an opportunity if I give them an opportunity to choose what they're going to do, they're going to choose the path of least resistance. <laughs> Like this is just this is just human nature, and more likely, um, if you have a girl, they're going to choose the path of least resistance. That also is the path that is that traditional. You know, this is what cool girls choose, which is never going to be something like computer programming, robotics, anything that says science. Um, all of those, all of those traditions, we kind of have a stigma that says, well, if you get into computer programming, if you get into technology, the stigma is you're going to turn into a nerd with huge glasses sitting in a garage, having pizza delivered under the garage door. Well, that's not exactly accurate. In fact, it's very far from the truth. Technology today gives you so much flexibility. There's tons of opportunity, and it's actually, it creates an ideal environment for women. Why? Well, because women have the ability to have more flexibility with their careers. They get that in studying technology. You have the ability to ultimately service as many people as you want and create terrific sustainability with products that innovate and change lives. And, and these, are, these are things, I think, that are missing in our society because we're trying to address this get gender gap from the top down by putting pressure on corporations to hire more women when there's not enough qualified women that even show up for the job interview. Um, that's, that is not going to help anything. Instead, we need to focus from the bottom up and take a look at, you know, how can we make sure that our youth 
is getting exposed to identify if they have an aptitude for these types of arenas and start to cultivate an interest at a young age. You know, that is that is really a very interesting dynamic and, and how to go about it because, like you said, human nature, people do tend to choose the path of least resistance and, uh, you know, what they're comfortable with and what experiences that they've had and those kinds of things. And so if you were going to recommend to, um, you know, maybe a parent or, or just a young lady, maybe maybe they're not even in, in school, high school, those kind of things, maybe they're going off to college, are there any any books that you might recommend that, that, that if you're a young lady you really need to make sure that you read these two or three books? Uh, you know, there is probably... I don't know, um, depending on the age group, uh, probably there, there's a book um, called, let's see, is it um, Peacocks and Penguins? Let me, let me see exactly what. Uh, this, is, this is a great book just on culture and helping you become uh, really who you are. Uh, there's also, you know, the classic book, um, Who Moved My Cheese? Uh, but I think, you know, specifically for women, I would, I would probably not put as, I mean, yes, there are, there's a lot of great books out there that can inspire um, a, a wealth of different directions that, you know, can motivate people to achieve different goals. But I think the most important thing that a young woman can do is to just make sure that, um, that she's confronting things that may not seem, um, maybe things that she doesn't know if she's, have a, have a completely open mind. Um, I think that's probably the best advice. Have a completely open mind and try new things. You know, we're only young once, and we have such an opportunity to try new things. It is, it's painful sometimes that, I, I mean, we have a program. We talk to all of these high school students and give them uh, internships. And it's amazing how many high school students, how many girls are 16 years old, they're getting ready to graduate. You know what? Probably 99% of them have not ever taken any type of computer programming class, um, technical class, science class, anything that has to do with a STEM career. And this is where the world is going. And, and then, you know, the answers that we get are, well, I wasn't interested in that. Well, my question is, how do you know you're not interested? <laughs> you haven't actually tried it. It's like playing the piano. And I've, I've talked about this on other interviews. But, you know, it, it, as a parent, everybody knows if you have your child play the piano, it is not something that they beg you to do. <laughs> that, in fact, usually there's, also, there's a little bit of force almost. Like you're going to learn how to play the piano. You're going to practice piano. And then after a little while, then you find out if you have, if they have that natural talent, if they have that aptitude, and then they start to cultivate a real interest. That interest turns into passion, and now you find, wow, you know, here's this great ability that you would have never discovered if you wouldn't have confronted that that zone, you know, of something that 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 you normally wouldn't confront if your parent wasn't there saying, hey, try this. You know that's that's great information, and and especially for for our listeners and and the young ladies out there, um, this is great advice. We today we're talking to a Monica Eden Cardone of Chargebacks Nine One One, and here in the next segment we're going to jump a little bit into more about what it is they do at the company. 
but this has been great information and if, if you've enjoyed kind of uh, what you're hearing here you can always you know go to ambitiousradio.com and then go to the show notes page we'll have one there for monica and uh, so tune in after the break we'll hear a brief word from our sponsors and we'll be talking more to monica eaton cardone about her career pursuits and her experience of becoming an ambitious entrepreneur right here on the ambitious radio network Here's another RepairMyCreditNow.com story. Home ownership. It's the American dream. It's a goal you've always hoped to achieve. You've spent countless weekends looking for the perfect house on the ideal block. The rates are low and you've saved enough for the down payment. Unfortunately, now the mortgage company says there's a little hitch. Okay, let's be honest. It's a gigantic, gargantuan hitch. It's your credit. And it looks like your estimated house payment will be (laughs) a lot more www.repairmycreditnow.com Hello, this is Doug Parker with repairmycreditnow.com. Do you have less than perfect credit, a repo, maybe some late payments, a collection account? Are they being reported accurately? Studies show that over 70% of Americans have inaccuracies on their credit reports. Where do you fit in? Go to repairmycreditnow.com for your free credit report evaluation. And remember, your credit is your future. If you want to get started now, log on now. RepairMyCreditNow.com RepairMyCreditNow.com www.RepairMyCreditNow.com As we get back into the show, let's give a shout out to our great sponsors, all3reports.com. That's all, the number three reports with an S.com. You know, many people check their credit every three to five years when they're financing a home or maybe when they're purchasing a new vehicle. But if there is an issue, it could be too late to do anything about it. So go to all3reports.com to find out more. Speaking of a new vehicle, a wise person once said, lease what depreciates, buy what appreciates. So go to Autoflex Leasing. They offer a better way to lease your next car. America's largest independent leasing company is Autoflex Leasing. Doug? All right, guys. We are back on the Ambitious Radio Network, and today we've got Monica Eden Cardone, and she is an just an entrepreneurial rock star, lady in business, making it happen. And uh, we're excited to have you on the show. So we're going to talk a little bit about your company and, and your professional uh, adventures now. So let's talk a little bit about chargebacks 911 and um, you know kind of how you guys how do you generate the majority of your revenue in in that business? Uh, sure. So chargebacks 911 helps online businesses uh, to manage their chargebacks, which are basically credit card disputes. And essentially, we act like the you know the the third party attorney that you hire to represent you and go to court and make sure that the records are straight and everything is compliant with your credit card processing. Okay, so so let's so let's say that um, in in your business, someone comes in, they do an online transaction, you provide the services to them, or or um, I guess products or services, and at some point, as opposed to the customer just. Um, saying, oh, I'm complaining, I'm not happy because, you know, I didn't get the desired you know, kind of quote-unquote uh, results, um, whatever the case may be. In the past, you know, you could go back and forth and work with them, but now there's a lot of people that are doing these, they're saying it's fraud, even though it may not really be fraud. Is that kind of what I'm getting, what I'm hearing? Yeah, I think, I mean, we, I, I hate to say that there's bad, horrible customers out there. There are a few. Um, but for the most part, what's happening in, in our industry and actually all over the planet is we are becoming consumers that thrive on instant gratification um, 
and, and as a result, an instant satisfaction. So what happens often is consumers are not educated about the consequences of calling their bank to get a refund instead of calling the online business owner direct. And the more and more that it happens that consumers are going directly to their bank, then the more often chargebacks get filed. And chargebacks, it's a really nasty problem. It creates fines for the merchants. There's fees. There's no guarantee. It can cause credit damage. And so our business is pretty much like we sit in the middle of that transaction to help not only rectify chargebacks that were filed incorrectly or, you know, that the, the consumer maybe had a valid claim, but they should have gone to the merchant directly. We help correct that behavior. Um, but we also help to identify things that the merchant or the online business owner can do to help prevent chargebacks from happening in the future, such as, you know, answer your phone 24 hours a day instead of 9 to 5 if you operate an online store. Now, you said something about the customers, about kind of uh, changing how they operate or something along those lines. So in an example, if a company were to uh, bring you guys on as, as their, uh, uh, their vendor, what does that process actually look like? I mean, you're giving them some coaching and different stuff, but do you actually have customer interaction with, with, with the merchant's customers as well? Uh, not often. Not often. That's not necessary. Okay. Uh, so, so basically our process would be we would have a merchant or an online business um, would give us a call. They go through a setup process. They're assigned an account manager. They get um, a software tool that is online, and it works kind of like QuickBooks. It's an accounting program. It shows them all of their chargeback activity. And then we will address any chargebacks that were filed incorrectly or illegitimately where the, con the customer claimed that it was fraud, but actually it may not have been fraud. And then they can see feedback through a web portal so they can identify if they've recovered revenue. Because when a chargeback is filed, unfortunately the business owner immediately is debited that entire transaction amount, and that amount is given to the customer uh, as a temporary refund until this particular dispute is settled. So it goes through about a 30-day cycle where just like if you get a traffic ticket, you have an opportunity to go to court, plea your case. Maybe you'll get the traffic ticket erased, or maybe you just pay the fine. Chargebacks work just the same. So in this case, we're like the attorney representing the online business owner. We take that chargeback. We go to court. We talk to the judge. We present all the evidence. And then we decide, you know, here, you, the merchant won this or the consumer won it. And then the merchant gets feedback um, so that they can see what was the cause of this chargeback and how can you prevent similar cases like this from happening in the future. So if, if indeed you review the situation and let's say it's the consumer that just frivolously, you know, they just weren't happy, but but they they said it was fraud, and it, obviously it wasn't fraud. It was just that they weren't satisfied. Do you have? Is there any recourse with the customer, or is that just one that really you go back to the to the merchant and say, "Hey, look, guys, this is just one where they just filed this you know inappropriately," or are you actually going to the merchant processor and somehow defending that? Oh, we go we go to the merchant processor and we go directly to Visa and Mastercard if necessary, and we get their money back. So that is what we're hired to do. So we correct the situation. Um, it, and the nice thing about the, the Visa and MasterCard, American Express and Discover, 
is these are card networks. So they have a whole operating rule set of guidelines and regulations. And just like the, you know, if you're an attorney, then you operate with legal, uh, you know, all the, the laws and compliance. So we use those rules, regulations, and compliance standards. We defend the merchant, and we actually get their money back. Cool. Well, that's that sounds fantastic. So, and I'm sure in this day and age, like you're talking about with the immediate gratification and and everybody, you know, kind of wanting everything like right now. Um, that's probably very, very valuable to, uh, you know, to the merchants and, and getting those issues resolved as, as you mentioned, kind of coaching them up and talking about business processes to improve, uh, the, the customer's overall experience to prevent them from charging it back in the first place. So, well, that, that's great. Now let, let's talk about during this entrepreneurial experience that you had. So when you, uh, started the company, were there any, uh, during the, the this process, were there any landmines that you stepped on, or, or or were there any just days where you're like, oh my goodness, I cannot believe this happened, and you're kind of in panic mode? Have you had any of those kind of days? Oh, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> there are. Uh, well, I, I don't think that any entrepreneur would say that every day they felt like they were a success. Usually, in fact, the the road to becoming an entrepreneur is paved with failures <laughs> because it's that trial and error. You know, you're dealing with uncharted territory. Uh, so, you know, I, I, my passion is in creating, you know, the best product out there. And what that means is that every week probably I have to confront, you know, what are we not doing good enough? What can we do better? What did I fail on? <laughs> How can I improve? Um, and sometimes that is a painful process. Uh, one thing that I've learned along the way is to, to adopt the principle of fail fast. So if you recognize, and specifically in technology, you know, you're, you're creating this idea and you're developing all this architecture and designing something that actually hasn't existed. And you, you think that it's going to work. You hope that people buy it and they like it. But when you find that it's just not going to be a right fit, um, it's really tempting to continue to invest in that. And this has been one of the things that I've had to struggle with and confront. But the right decision sometimes is to look at, hey, when it, when it becomes something that is not going to work, then fail fast. Get yourself back on track and, and work on the things that are, you know, best aligned to produce the best results. You know, that's that's great, uh, great advice you've got there. And when we're talking about advice, let's let's kind of uh, ask a, a quick question of you. What is the best advice that you've ever received? Um, you know, I was given I was given this book um, by a friend of mine, probably, man, probably 15 years ago. And it was actually this book called Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. And, you know, I got this, I thought, I absolutely do not need this book because everything I'm doing, everything fine. I carry, I care about the small stuff. I care about details. And you know, I, I didn't even read this book for probably three years. It sat in my house. Um, when I finally read it because I was moving, uh, it's a small book and it was the best advice that I have ever received. Uh, and bottom line, it talks about, you know, really, taking a look at the fact that so much of your attention can be devoted to really small things, you know, not taking yourself so serious, being willing to laugh things off, paying attention to really what matters most. And oftentimes, especially being an entrepreneur, 
you're dealing with so many different facets. You have, you know, uh, human resources. You have, you have personal relationships. You have vendor relationships. You also have the financial success of your company, and sometimes that can be, you know, a whole stress in, in and of itself. And, and a lot of times it may seem like, you know, you have the weight of the world on your shoulders. But at the end of the day, if you really start to look at the things that are worth worrying about, there's a lot of stuff that you probably are carrying that isn't really worth worrying about that much. And, and really helping yourself to refocus on your core purpose and also once in a while take a minute to look behind you and find out where you were and how far you've come. That is sometimes the very best motivation and something that has inspired me to continue going forward when I reach those roadblocks where it seems like, oh my gosh, I'm never going to get over this. I just keep climbing and it is just too painful. I just look in the past and I think, wait a second, you know, how many times have I thought this? And, you know, you can just persevere and eventually you realize you have the strength and the, the ingenuity to figure out a way to go forward. And then it does get easier after time. Yeah, absolutely, and that's that's good stuff. So that book, you know, don't sweat the small stuff, and I think the next line is, and it's all small stuff. Correct. And, uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh, that is that is great information, and I'll tell you what, guys, this this is uh, this is one of the interviews that I'm going to go back and listen to again myself, just to uh, just pick up all these nuggets. I'm making notes everywhere on my paper here. And- <laughs> uh, it's great to hear uh, all that Monica is bringing to us today. So thanks so much for that. Um, if you like what you're hearing on Ambitious Radio, let three people know right now. Push the pause button, take a break, and let some other folks know about these nuggets of wisdom that Miss Monica Eden Cardone is dropping on us right now. Um, if you'd like to be notified of new shows that are coming out, you can subscribe by texting the word ambitious. To 69922. Standard messaging rates apply. See the website for more details. After a break, we're going to be talking more with Monica about what she's planning next on Ambitious Radio. Hey, ambitious listeners, you hear us interviewing entrepreneurs all the time, and there's a common theme. They want to be more productive and improve their communication. As an ambitious entrepreneur, you're always on the go. So turn your mobile phone into a business phone system with Grasshopper, the entrepreneur's phone system. The Ambitious Radio Network recently partnered with Grasshopper to offer our listeners a special discount. Log on to ambitiousradio.com and click on the Grasshopper banner in the bottom right-hand corner. Get a new business number or keep your current one. Sound professional with a main greeting and multiple extensions that forwards callers to your mobile phone or others in your organization. Get a toll-free free number or local number for your business with multiple extensions. Set up each extension with custom call forwarding to any phone in the world. Get your voicemails emailed to you as an audio attachment or transcribe an email. Keep business calls separate from your personal calls. Plans start at $12 a month with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Remember to click on the Grasshopper banner at ambitiousradio.com for a special discount for our listeners. Join the over 150,000 small business owners that have stayed connected with Grasshopper. See how Grasshopper works? It's the entrepreneur's phone system. Turn the world into your office. Back in here on the show, it's Ambitious Radio Network. Hey, are you thinking of expanding your business but don't want to spend tens of thousands of dollars on a new phone system? Consider grasshopper.com. You get to keep your existing number, you have multiple extensions, voicemails transcribed, and no new hardware. Grasshopper.com is the entrepreneur's phone system.
Let's get back to the show with Doug Parker. Welcome back to the Ambitious Radio Network. Today we're talking to Monica Eaton Cardone of Chargebacks 911. And really, uh, let's let's talk a little bit about, you know, kind of the entrepreneurial experience. I mean, your business is maturing. You're a technology uh, person, and, and, and I, I've been around some technology folks. It seems like there's always another iron in the fire. There's something else they're dreaming up, and there's technology they're, they're programming stuff through or thinking about it anyway. So what is next? Uh, you know, what's next for, uh, for the Chargebacks 911, and are there any other projects that you're currently working on? Uh, well, I think anybody in technology will tell you that the secret to our success is innovation. Um, the, the world is moving at a very rapid pace. Uh, and so, yes, we, we absolutely have a lot of innovation in the works. Um, currently, our, our, our core project right now is rapidly expanding our uh, footprint in Europe. So that's been really exciting. Uh, we've seen a terrific trend for you know, where it used to be there was a lot of U.S. merchants or U.S. Uh, uh, retailers that were just focused on the U.S. market. We're seeing in the last few years there's a huge trend with that becoming more global. Um, and we all know if you have an online website, no longer are you just selling to your, to your community. In fact, it's not even just the U.S. Um, little do you know, you may have sales going on in Europe or going on across the world. Um, so we've been focusing on making sure that we have a very robust solution that can fit any channel for global expansion. Okay, that that sounds very very exciting. Now, are there any other projects outside of Chargebacks Nine One One that you would want to talk about, or are you just primarily focused on the expansion of it in Europe right now? Uh, no, I mean we're we're focused on Chargebacks Nine One One. I'd say uh, that's we we have. We have a, a number of different labs going on for some research projects uh, with acquiring um, just a, some logic for acquiring banks as well as issuing banks. Um, on, on the flip side, maybe other projects. We are, as a company, we run in the Tough Mudder every year. So now I'm starting a project to hurry up and get trained so that I won't die in that event in a few months. <laughs> um, so have but you yeah, run a Tough Mudder before? yourself? You know, yes, actually we do it as a company. So this is a chargeback sign on one event every year. And every year around July, then I start getting ready along with the rest of the company. It's like I have the rest of the year off, but the event is in November. And, uh, and yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, it's just, it's something that we started several years ago and, and it, it's a lot of fun, but definitely my mind is now starting to get into that realm. Okay, guess what? I have to make time. I have to actually go to the gym now a couple times a week. So, so yeah, that is something that we're all focused on at the moment in tandem with everything else we're doing. That's pretty cool. Well, you know, I was talking about just things that you're focusing on. And, and so do you find that that helps, like, build camaraderie and, and those kind of things? And, and if so, I mean, what, how many people participate in it? Oh, absolutely. Uh, so we have, we have about 250 staff worldwide. Um, in our Tampa location, there's about 80 of us, and uh, what, probably 45 of us went in the, to the Tough Mudder event last year. But we have events like we have a kickball team, we do laser tag. You know, I've, I, I used to have this school of thought a few years back, and I thought, in order to have a successful corporation, you can't have any friends at work, and you need to be all business, and you need to be all corporate, and this is how the world operates. 
you know, I threw that idea out the window after I tried it, and I realized this is just not me. I want to wear jeans and T-shirts. I want to work around my best friends. I want everyone here to be friends because, let's face it, you spend so much time at your work, it's just not even worth it to work around people that you don't really like. And so we have, we've just decided, you know, our culture is we want to work. Everybody in this company is somebody that I genuinely care about. We're friends. We get along well. These are, these are people that you're not just friends at work. You're also friends, you know, after work. And, and just recognizing, you know, it's okay to be different. That, I think, has attributed to why we have been so successful um, because we have people that care about each other, and, and that ends up, you know, kind of dovetailing into caring about the company and making sure that we're on the right path. You know, it's it's always interesting to hear the dynamics. So there's there's the folks that are, you know, hardcore, you know, no friends. We're not talking about anything that's not business related. And there are some advantages and disadvantages of that. And then there's the other side of it where you are very friendly and very close. And there's some great advantages of that. And then every once in a while there's a situation where, you know, something super personal gets brought to work that's not necessarily appropriate for that situation. But there's there's good and bad of, of both of those dynamics. And I, and I think you... Uh, really said it very well that that's that's how you wanted to operate and so you know at the end of the day you want to operate in an environment that's that's that you enjoy and that that's healthy and that you want to participate in and and you know always encourage people to to enjoy their work life is too short I've got a, a friend of mine that basically says um, essentially that uh, if you don't like the life you've got you're living the wrong life you know what I mean Go, absolutely absolutely yeah. and you know you look at if you if you have a job where you just get paid to do to be a robot, I don't consider that a real job. You need to do something else. You should get paid to bring your A game to work. You should be you should feel like you are contributing to something bigger, and you should be bringing that ingenuity that each of us have as a unique talent because we are humans. And you know if you look at how do you cultivate that from an individual if they don't really feel like they're part of the team in order to in order to inspire that passion, which is what we need, and this translates into work ethic, there, we don't, I don't think that you know, just because you're friends with someone means that you have to slack. Uh, at the end of the day, if you have a team that is genuinely passionate, these guys will be the best assets to keep the company on track, meet deadlines, develop the most intuitive product possible, um, and really, they're the ones that are responsible ultimately for the overall success. You know that that is the truth. There's no question about it. Your frontline folks are the ones that are having the most interaction with your with your vendors, with your you know with your customers, and all of those things. So you definitely want them to to enjoy what they're doing. So as we kind of close out this segment, let's talk just a little bit about kind of what you do to grow and who maybe is mentoring you or who are you following. Um. So I I. So one thing that I do, I, I, I haven't really followed one person in particular, um, but I do have, I have a little passion for reading business books. <laughs> um, so I try to read at least one book a week. Uh, it's, I'm sometimes more, sometimes less. Uh, and, and generally, currently, I'm following, um, in terms of authors, Eric Brechner, who is, he was a programmer at Microsoft. I think he still does work at Microsoft. And he wrote this amazing book called Agile Project Management with Kanban. It sounds like a, a, a technology book, but really what I've learned about business 
this is why I love business. I think business is just about applying really general logic and figuring out how to duplicate one success and then another and making forward motion. So one of the reasons that I, I enjoy reading different books and getting different perspectives is because there's so many similarities between you know, having, creating a successful business and also that parallels with what you need to do to create a successful life. So everything that you would, you would find in a business book is actually something that I find I can apply in my personal life as well. And as, as a woman like many women out there, you know, it isn't, and, and men, I won't forget men as well, uh, but, you know, it's, it's a difficult balance sometimes. You have your, your business, you have your career, you have, you know, the staff that you're working with and those um, colleagues and relationships. You also have your family and you have your children, you have your husband, you know, all these different dynamics that you really have to manage. And I have found, um, as far as mentors, for me, it's about, you know, continuing to change things up and find what are some new innovative strategies, what are things that I can learn about and that can, that can actually help me become more successful, more efficient, um, to be a better person in each dynamic and add more at the end of the day to these relationships and you know that that old that old saying you know being investing in others is the best investment of yourself i think exposing myself to to all of some different business um logic and brilliant minds that create and a lot of these books they're short reads they're very to the point but i've really enjoyed that and i've done this for several years at this point um but I think that has given me the best investment. Um, and as a result, unfortunately, I continue to change mentors. It seems like from week to week I have a new fan. Um, but each one I find something that, is, that can contribute and either change the way that I thought of looking at something, uh, broaden my viewpoint, or give me some insight to a solution um, that I didn't realize was maybe even right in front of my eyes, but I didn't see it until I actually read this book. Well, I tell you what, what an ambitious woman you are. And so after we hear a brief word from our sponsors, we'll be discussing more with Monica Eden Cardone, what she does to recharge her ambitious body, mind, and spirit right here on the Ambitious Radio Network. start shopping for a car, you go in thinking that this time you're really going to get a great deal. Then the haggling starts. You have to fence with a salesman over the price, then verbally joust with a finance manager over the interest rate and all the extras they want to sell you. By the time you get out of there, you're glad to have escaped with your watch and rings. Stop the insanity. There's a better way, and that's to lease your next car from Autoflex Leasing. Call the leasing specialist at Autoflex, and you'll find that getting your next car can be fast, easy, and fun. Your Autoflex specialist leases all makes and models, both new and used. They'll also pick up your trade-in for an appraisal and deliver your new car to your home or office. Imagine leasing your next car and never having to go to a dealer. Happens every day at Autoflex Leasing. To see for yourself, call Autoflex today at 817-972-234-1234 or reach them at Autoflex.com. Autoflex Leasing, a better way to lease your next car. And we're back in here on the show. It's Ambitious Radio Network, recharging the ambitious mind, body, and spirit. 
made possible by repairmycreditnow.com. You know, having bad credit can be really draining. It's okay to not be okay as long as you're on the road to being okay. Let repairmycreditnow.com help get you back on track. You know, many of our ambitious listeners prefer to listen to books as opposed to reading them. Now, with that, we've teamed up with Audible.com to offer you one free audiobook. Just go to ambitiousradio.com, click on the Audible banner on the page to find out more. Back to the show now with Doug Parker. All right, guys, we are back on the Ambitious Radio Network, and today we're talking to Monica Easton Cardone. She is a successful entrepreneur and a champion of women in IT. So welcome back to the show. How are you, ma'am? I'm great, thanks. Well, very good, very good. So let's talk about what you do to recharge your ambitious body, mind, and spirit. What what types of things, because I can tell you're a hard-charging, intense kind of a person. I know we talked about the Tough mutter stuff, but are there other things that you do to recharge? Um, let's see. I, I think, I mean, yes, I, I, I like exercise. I, I enjoy art, probably. Um, I, that has been my background, so I really like doing things like that. Um, other things that I do to recharge, I actually love organizing stuff. <laughs> um, so even organizing my cabinets or, you know, doing a project with my kids. We organized all of their toys this last weekend. Um, and, and probably uh, another thing, I, I really enjoy fishing. Um, and last but not least, I would say I'm pretty normal. Um, at, you know, at, at the end of the day, I definitely cannot pass up a great series with junk food. <laughs> All right. Okay. So now, now this is an interesting combination. An IT lady, okay, doing IT, which is a little bit different from what from what you're telling me, that likes to go fishing, and then loves to do the tough mutters and then junk food. What a combination! That that's pretty <laughs> interesting. <clears throat> so, what kind of fishing do you like to do? You know, I have always, I mean, I grew up in uh, in Idaho, and so I love lake fishing, but what happens, you have this bobbin, you have a worm, and I mean, literally, you'll fish for four hours and maybe catch one fish, and if you have a bite, it is the most exciting thing on the planet. So then moving to Florida, man, I am totally addicted. So um, I, this is deep sea fishing now. Totally a different scenario. I mean, you have action almost immediately. Um, last week, I caught this uh, shark, and it was a very nice shark. It was not a mean shark, a nurse shark, um, but just amazing. You, I mean, just to be out there, there's dolphins everywhere, so it's, there's probably not a single weekend that I'm not absolutely in awe with how beautiful the ocean is. I really, really enjoy the water, um, and and. Yeah, I, I'm definitely, I would def at this point I'd say the ocean or deep sea fishing totally trumps lake fishing all day long. <laughs> yeah, I got you there. That that definitely, uh, it's it's a lot of fun going out and, and fishing and, and the ocean, like you said, it's so magnificent. Just the, uh, the, the, the waves coming in and just going out there catching these giant fish, it's cool stuff. So now let's talk about uh, vacation. Do you do you like to unplug and go vacation? Are you actually able to do that kind of stuff, or are you one of those types that's that's connected 100% of the time? Um, I would I would probably I would be lying if I said that I am the type that goes on these often vacations, um, or probably even remote vacations. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the reality is it. I, I actually don't really think about vacations, and honestly, my entire family, we, um, 
or my kids at least, you know, my vacation is every weekend, so I do not work on the weekends. That is something that I have learned. You know, you have to you have to segment a time in your life where you can recharge. So maybe just that recharge is, look, every weekend, this is like a mini vacation. We recharge. It's just family time. Um, but I will say my favorite place that I've ever vacationed has been Puerto Vallarta, and that's in Mexico. Unbelievable. Um, I don't think I really did anything. I had all these ideas to plan. We were going to go on this event and then over here and go whale watching. Honestly, it was the greatest vacation, and I think all I did is drink um, margaritas, eat way too much guacamole, and walk on the beach. <laughs> but I did that for like 10 days. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And you know what? It was great. It was great. It was just the, the ideal, you know, you have so many things that are going so fast. So I unplugged my cell phone, got rid of the laptop, and it was just incredible to be somewhere else where, like, I literally had no schedule. So that was a nice vacation. That is fantastic information. My goodness, this has been a great show, and we want to thank, uh, first and foremost, Monica Eden Cardone, Chargebacks 911, for coming on the show. Thanks so much for coming on, ma'am. You're welcome. Thank you so much. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. And we also want to thank our sponsors, Ambitious Radio. Radio could not do it without you. And tune in Wednesdays to Ambitious Radio, where we interview thought leaders and exciting entrepreneurs changing the faces of their organizations. Remember, you can make money or you can make excuses, but you cannot make both. So go out there and be ambitious. Thank you for listening to the Ambitious Radio Network, hosted by serial entrepreneur Doug Parker. Join us weekly as we have engaging conversations with ambitious entrepreneurs and thought leaders on topics that can be applied immediately after listening. Like what you've heard? Listen to other interviews at ambitiousradio.com or subscribe on iTunes.